with us. I'm Lynn Poindexter, and you're watching the 3B4. The Women's Life Group, Seeing Beautiful Again, is starting its fall session on Wednesday, September 13th at 7 p.m. in Room 107 at the Bear Campus and will be facilitated by Debbie Jenkins. This group will pick up where they left off in Lisa Turkhurst's book to help find redemption in every part of your story and help you see that God is always doing more than you are aware of. Even if you missed the spring session, you can still join. To learn more, visit ctcde.church slash lifegroups. Up to now, each of our campuses have maintained their own Facebook page. Beginning on September 1st, we will be combining our Facebook presence into one page. If you haven't already, you can go to facebook.com slash ctcdechurch and like our page to let us know you're following us. Our primary purpose for social media is to do ministry. We do this through posting scripture, encouraging words, and occasionally asking you to interact by leaving a prayer request or a comment. In addition to Facebook, you can follow us on Instagram by searching at CTC underscore DE. Sunday, September 17th is the day for our Community Day Picnic at 1230 at the Bear Campus. It will be a great day of fun and fellowship. We need your help with staffing the event in a few areas. If you would like to serve, send an email to lpoindexter at ctcde.church. Thanks for being here today. You can find more information about all of our events by going to ctcde.church. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. As we worship together today, our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God than ever. Please let us know if there is anything you need while you're here. Now, let's get ready to worship. Good morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Thanks for being here today. Welcome to those of you who are worshiping online with us. Can we stand this morning? As we begin our service today, we're going to teach you a new song. And as we learn this song together, this song talks about some of the names of Jehovah. Jehovah, the Lord Most High. That's the God we serve today. Amen? This song talks about Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. He goes into battle and fights for us. Jehovah Jireh, he meets our needs. Jehovah Rapha, he heals our bodies. And Jehovah Shalom, he is our peace. So God, as we worship you today, we pray that you would receive our praise. Be glorified today, oh God. Hallelujah. Jehovah 
today. Jehovah Nisi fights our battles. Jehovah Jireh meets our needs. Jehovah Rapha heals our bodies. Jehovah Shalom. He is our peace. Well, again, good morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. God, we welcome your Holy Spirit today into this place. We ask you by the power of your spirit with your presence to move among us today, to strengthen us, to challenge us, to change us, to encourage us, to make us into the people that you want us to be. We pray today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Well, you can be seated this morning. Well, again, we want to say good morning and we want to welcome you to Christ the Cornerstone, whether you're in the building or whether you're worshiping with us online. It is so good to see you today. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. As you're with us today, if you're new, whether you're online or you're in the building, uh, we want to extend a special welcome to you. If you're new and you're here with us, when you leave this room this morning, on the left-hand side is our Connect Central. We want you to stop by there and pick up a gift that we have for you. Find out about any and all of the ministries that we have going on at at CTC and uh, ask any questions that you might have about anything that you've seen or experienced today or uh, just anything you want to know about our church. If you're new and you're online, uh, there's an I'm new here button that's in the upper right-hand corner of the screen, and you can click that. And uh, just give us some basic information 
Uh, we promise not to misuse that information. We just want to be able to thank you for your visit. So your Connect cards are there at your seat. And uh, again, whether you're new or whether you're a regular attender, we encourage you to fill those out uh, every week and just let us know who's worshiping with you uh, so that we can rejoice uh, that you've been here with us today. Also on those cards, you can leave a praise report or a prayer request, uh, and we will be sure to meet over those and, and pray over them at several times during the week. And then there are groups that get a printout of all those needs and, and there are just multiple groups of people that pray for your needs. Those, of, uh, those needs that you have that maybe you want to keep confidential, you can feel free to let us know they're confidential, and uh, we will keep those that way. All right? That's a lot of information in a short period of time. Well, again, welcome today. Thanks for being with us. Here's Pastor Roger. Good morning, everybody. Great to see all of you, and welcome online. Good to have you with us today. I want you to, to, to remind you again that these little cards are on the tables and, and there's, a, there's going to be a link someplace online or on our website talking about our community day picnic. Pick up this card, if you would, please, on the table or on the chair beside you and uh, put it in your pocket and then pick up another one with your other hand and put it in your pocket. I want you. I'm asking you. I'm telling you, take this card and share it with somebody. We want to have 400, 450 people under tents in our in our yard on September 17th in a in a few weeks we'll have a great time picnic together and uh, it'll be a great day so invite uh, family invite friends and we'll uh, uh, worship together at our regular worship times and then gather together in the afternoon uh, about 12:30 for a great lunch that will that will be provided to you and we'll have a lot of fun in the afternoon September 17th right here we're going to bring people down from the uh, Ellesmere campus and invite everybody and uh, get everybody all together. Sound fun? <laughs> Woo-hoo! Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I want to give a testimony about God's providence. We were just talking about singing about the different names of God and how the names of God describe the things that God does for us. We got to Jehovah Jireh, and the phrase was, Jehovah Jireh, meet your needs. And uh, the song comes out like a prayer. May Jehovah Jireh meet your needs. That just means God is the one who provides for us. And so I want to give a testimony. Our elders met yesterday uh, to talk about uh, our, our plan for financing our ministries together for the next year. We sometimes call that a budget. And uh, not always easy conversations to have in organizations or, or even in the church. But we want to praise God for your generosity and your faithfulness because God has provided to us through you tremendous amount of money so that we can do the ministries that we do. We, we ended, now we have a fiscal year that goes from September 1st through August 31st. And that's our, so we're getting ready at the end of our fiscal year now. And we just praise God that the, the, the money that we needed to do ministry has come in. Thank you, God, for that. And we have a little bit left over. And yay, for God providing for us. And that makes, that makes it easy for us to anticipate the future and to dream, as the Scripture says, to dream dreams and to plan and to do ministry together. And so I just want to thank you all, whether you give online or if you give here in person, thank you for your committed, faithful generosity to do ministry through Christ the Cornerstone. I also want to make a, make a special comment about our Ellesmere campus. When they joined us three years ago, well, 
five years ago, 2018, um, we knew that the, 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 the fi- was very, there were financial challenges uh, f- from, that, uh, from that ministry. Uh, they were running a deficit. Well, in the years since they've been with us, they have been faithful uh, to continue their support. We've been good stewards with the money that we've, we've been bringing in up there and using the facilities up there so that we have reduced. We haven't gotten rid of the deficit totally, and they're, they're spending down some of, their, uh, some of their savings that they had. But we have reduced that deficit by 80% in the years, so that I believe that by next year we will be seeing a turn in, in the uh, providence that God is doing up there. And we're anticipating much greater ministry in the, in the years to come through our Ellesmere campus. So we praise God for that also, and I hope you do too. Let's, let's remind one another of, of the trust that we have in God by reading one of these scriptures that inspire us and teach us to trust in God in all things. Would you read this verse with me, please, whether you're at home or here in the room? Let's read this together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you the path to take. We trust God for that. Let's stand together as I pray and we continue worshiping God through song and then hearing His Word together. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for being the God who provides. We thank You for being the God who heals. We thank You for being our light, shining our way and showing us the path that You have for us. God, as we sing to You this morning, as whether we're singing or whether we're listening or whether we're reflecting, whatever we're doing, God, we pray that we will be worshiping You in everything, that we will be honoring You, that You will have the praise and the glory. And come, Holy Spirit, and fill us this morning. Let us know that we have indeed been in Your presence today, but that You don't leave us when we leave this space. You continue to go with us. We love You. We thank You. And we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we continue to worship today, I don't often take time to set up the entirety of the next 15 to 18 minutes that we're going to spend together in worship. But today, we're going to spend time together worshiping with songs that let our yes be yes to God. We're talking in this series about how we can become the people that God has called us to be. How we can play the part that he's given us to play in the kingdom of God. Part of that is giving our worship to him. So we're going to make statements like, yes, I will give you worship and praise, even when times are difficult. And then we're going to celebrate his promises because they are all yes and amen. And after we've established that fact, we're going to take time to make room in our heart for God and for what he wants to do in us. So as we spend these moments together in worship today... I just want us to think about that from the posture of our bodies to the posture of our hearts to how we set our minds on worshiping and responding to God. That's where we're going this morning. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the way. The same God 
Give her a mercy. 
rest. I will rest in your promises, my confidence is your faithful. Sing it again. I will rest Come on now. in your promises, my confidence is your faithfulness. I will. promises to us are yes and amen. The things that you have promised us, the faithfulness you have displayed, the faithfulness you've shown to us never ends. is always consistent. And so God, today we strive for so many things moving in a certain direction that we think we should go. God, we lay that down before you today. This is where we surrender. This is where we surrender. Right here, right here. Do whatever you want to. 
Where 
I want to invite the children, if you'll come and meet with Miss April before you go down to your rooms, and let's let's offer a blessing and uh, to our children. And I'm going to add to that. This is a transition time for many families, so let's let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. And Lord, as we we are in a season now, and we've got our children, our young adults, going to college, and in those many new situations for for families and for parents. Uh, we pray for them, God. We pray that you would be in all of these transitions and the challenges that, that each faces, that you would be guiding everyone, those who have uh, gone away and those who are staying at home. We thank you, God, for your providence, for your care. This is our surrender, God. We give up the stress that we feel. We, we receive your presence among us, and we thank you. We pray for these children who are here among us, God. We pray that you would bless them, open their eyes, open their ears, open their minds, that they may hear their stories of your truths, that they would trust them, that they would follow your ways all the days of their lives. We thank you, God, for the leaders, for the teachers who are meeting with them, and we ask you to bless them also. Be in their time. And finally, Father, be with us who are remaining in this space as we open up your word this morning. Speak to us. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been watching that bumper uh, video for, for many weeks now, and every time I watch it, I, I'm, I have a different memory that comes to mind. And this weekend when I watched it, I remembered when I was in ninth grade and I was in the band. Now, in my high school, it was a small high school. Everybody, if you played an instrument, you were in the marching band. You were in the concert band. You were in the, 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 the jazz band. And, and I said that last night and people were impressed that I played in a jazz band. Don't be impressed. Because, because you know, when you're in high school, you're, you're just learning things. And uh, so the jazz band would, like all the other bands, we, we would go to competitions with other schools. And so the concert band had their piece that they played in the competition. The marching band had their part that they played in the competition. And the jazz band had, had, its, had its songs that it would play. And I played the, well... Um, I blew air through the trombone, <laughs> and uh, and so the the first trombone. I was never first trombone because I, I, I honestly I, I didn't practice, and I'm not proud of that. But you know, but the first trombone player, he really was good, but he 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 got in a fight in school, and so he got expelled from the band. 
So the band director needed somebody to play his part in the jazz band. So that was me. So I got moved up to first trombone. And uh, we were going to this jazz competition at one of the local schools, and we were playing some kind of blues song. And the band director uh, had eight measures of music for an improvisational solo for a trombone. So Roger gets assigned to play in, in the jazz band competition eight measures of an improvisational solo. But remember, I said I didn't practice. Neither did my band director give me lessons <laughs> on how to do an improvisational solo. Now, he knew that I could read music because I played the piano. He knew that I understood some musical theory and that whatever came out of my trombone needed to be in the key of B flat. Well, I didn't, you know, okay, I knew what that meant on the piano, but... Anyway, so I stood, we're in competition and the jazz band's going along and we get to the point of the song where I'm, I'm supposed to step out to the front of the stage and play my eight measures of, of jazz solo so that everybody can, and it's a competition. And what's on the line is an award for the whole band, but not only that, those who get solos also can, can get an award just for their solo. So I stand up there, and I know all this stuff is on the line, and I go, I don't know what I played, I have no idea, but I made sure that it was not loud enough for anybody to hear it. And I remember my band director standing over there, and he said, come on, Roger, during, during the song, and I'm like, just moving my slide back and forth, and eight measures is over, and I slide back into the, my spot, into, into the rest of the band, and I'm thinking, glad that was over. Now, there was another guy, his main instrument was the, was the French horn, but he was talented, and so he also learned how to play the trombone. And so he had the, he had the next solo, and, and so he got up there, and he, he was good. He practiced. And he got, he got an award for his. And I was just so glad that nobody could hear how bad my solo was. I don't know what in the world I played. But as I was watching that video of, of, of that guy, the end of that video, being out there in front, do you ever feel uh, like you're afraid of stepping out into a position because you don't want to be disappointed or you don't want to disappoint somebody else? And so you'll just decide, nope, I'm not going to do that because I just don't feel comfortable. We all have a part to play. And we've got to get over this uncomfortable feeling. Now, I'm not proud of, of telling you how I handled that responsibility that I didn't handle it well. And I don't even take pride in the fact that I can say, but I did it. I wish that I had done it so much better. We all have a part to play. And you know what the good news is? That, that was 10th grade, 9th or 10th grade. I was probably 16 years old. Can you, can you believe this? That was, I was going to say almost 50 years ago. But not, I don't have to say that. It was 40 years ago. <laughs> and that's a long time. Those of you who are under 40 are thinking, wow, that's a, that's a century ago. Those of you who are over 40, you're saying, well, that's nothing. <laughs> we all have a part to play. 
And we can't shy away from the part that God asks us to play. And, and go ahead and take the risk. Now, I, I didn't get the award. But I, and I wish that I had done it so much better. But I, but I did it. And I'm glad that I did. Because now I've got a great sermon illustration, or a poor sermon illustration to give to you. Anyway, there's a man named Franz Moore. Hardly anybody knew him. But he played piano on the stage of Carnegie Hall more than anybody else. He was the technician that took care of the, the pianos for Steinway and Sons. And so he was the one who was assigned to, to make sure that that piano on Carnegie Hall was ready and tuned. And this is what, he passed away in 2022. And this is what the article in the New York Times said about Franz Moore. It says, sometimes a string would snap or a pedal would need adjusting during a concert, and he would step into the spotlight for just a moment. But he did much of his work alone on that famous stage and other stages around the world. He might have been mistaken for a pianist trying out a nine-foot grand piano for a recital until he reached for his tools and he began making minute adjustments, giving a tuning pin a twist, a tiny twist, or a hammer a slight shave. Now the hammer refers to that felt piece of a material inside a piano that hits the string and makes the sound. They'd have to be the right texture, the right softness, the right, uh, the right humidity in there, and sometimes it needs to get shaved a little bit. For years it says he went where the pianists went. He played before presidents and foreign dignitaries. He also attended to the world's most famous performers' personal pianos. But he never begrudged taking a back seat to the stars. His boss, Henry Steinway, once said, To understand Franz, one must understand that his Christian faith is at the core of his being, and it affects everything he says and does. Franz would claim that he loved being the faithful plodder, what a great phrase, who strove in the words of Jesus to be faithful in the little things. Be faithful in the part that God has for you to play. We all have our part to play. In this series, playing our part, acting out, playing our part in the kingdom of God, we've looked at the beginning of it comes with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. We have trust in Jesus Christ, we, and God gives us the Holy Spirit to even have faith in Christ. But we also need to open ourselves and to be filled with the presence of God in whatever we're doing. God has called us to holiness, and there's only one way that we can be holy, and that is because God is within us. There are days when, 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 when the stress is so great, God, I need you to come and guide me. So, the Holy Spirit coming is the beginning of us living out our part. And we, talked, we read about that in the book of Acts, chapter 2. God sent His Holy Spirit upon His disciples who were gathered in that room today. And the filling of the Holy Spirit compelled and propelled them out to proclaim 
who Jesus is and to do their part that God has for them to grow. We talked about Peter. We talked about Barnabas. We talked about Stephen and Philip and Saul and Ananias and Tabitha and Aeneas. We talked about Cornelius and Rhoda and Lydia. Today, we talk about Paul's partner named Silas. Let's look at Acts chapter 17. That's where we're going today. Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 15. And we're just looking at this this person. Now, last night I called them minor characters because somebody said, Boy, Roger, you, you've picked out the, the unknown people or the people that we don't talk about. And I did that, obviously, on purpose. We know about Adam. We know about Eve. We know about Abraham. We know about Moses. We know about... David, the little shepherd boy. But they were surrounded by thousands and millions of people who played their part. They're not minor people. They're important parts. They're just beside the others. The, the, the seconds, but not any less valuable. So in Acts chapter 17 we read, Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service. He went to worship with them, the the gathering of the Jewish people in that area. And for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the Scriptures to reason with the people. What scriptures? He's talking about the New Testament? Of course not. He's not talking about the New Testament. He's talking about the Old Testament, particularly the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those are the ones that were called the Pentateuch. Pentateuch means 50th or five. Uh, penta is five. Tuch is the Hebrew word for law. So these are the five books of the law from Moses. Those were the scriptures. We know that they also had the psalms. And so they had the psalms that they would use for worship. They also had uh, probably the, the writings uh, from many of the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and, and the other smaller books uh, of prophets, even though they, they might not have been considered scriptures, uh, a closed canon like we do. They were considered scriptures for them. And Paul recognized in those that these are worth describing who is Jesus. So he used the Scripture to reason with the people. Not just to shove it down their throat. Not just to say, this way or the highway. Not just to say, Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. No, he was reasoning with them. Because God is a reasonable God. We're created in the image of God. We can think. We can reason. How did we get that ability? Because God also is a reasonable God. So verse 3 says, He explained the prophecies that proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. Word Messiah. You know, sometimes I, I wish that we wouldn't use these, the, the, these ancient terms because we, we fill them with things. Why don't, why don't we translate it for, for, for a more literal meaning? It means Savior. It means Anointed One. 
The one that God had planned to send all along to do what? To save his people, to restore God's people to a right relationship with God. Why do they need to do that? Because God's people have turned away from God. In fact, all people have turned away from God. And they need somebody to come and tell them that you're going the wrong way. Turn around. There's a loving God. There's a holy God who has a who created you, who has a way for you to live life. And if you don't live life his way, you're not living the life that you were created to live. You like how I said that? There was no threat in that. There was a statement of reality that if you're not following the way that God has for you, you're not following the life that God created you to live. You're going the wrong way. You're being unfulfilled. You're not completing the purpose for which you were created. And and I didn't say you're going to burn in hell, but we do know that that is the consequences of not following the way that God has for us. God has a way for us to live life, as Jesus said, and to live life abundantly. So, he explained the prophecies that proved that the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Savior, the One whom God chose, must suffer and rise from the dead. Do you know anybody who has suffered, died, and risen from the dead? (laughs) I do. I do. Jesus. So Paul is proving that in the Old Testament it talks about this person who God is going to send who will suffer, die, and rise again. And it is Jesus, Paul is saying. And Paul says, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Anointed One, the Savior, the Chosen One. Trust in Him. Now, verse 4 says, some of the Jews who listen, pay attention to to the numerical values in this sentence. Even though it's not precise, there's a numerical value in this. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded. And they joined Paul and Silas. Yay! Along with, what's the next numeric? Many. Who? God-fearing Greek men. God-fearing Greek men. These are are men who, who were following the God of the Jews. They feared, they honored, they respected, they understood that, that, okay, here are the Jewish people who are created by God to be a blessing to all nations, and, and I'm waiting for that to happen. And I'm, and I'm a Greek person, I'm not a Jew, but I recognize the truth in what God is saying to the Jewish people. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul, along with many God-fearing Greek men. And then what's the next number? Quite a few prominent women. I was looking at that. Why is is, uh, Luke, the author of Acts, describing the different people in this way? God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. Why didn't he just say God-fearing women? Why didn't he say uh, just women? But he puts this prominent in there. And one of the things that scholars have, have, have suggested is that in that region, what region? The city of Thessalonica. Now that's in Greece. Now let's take a look at, to see. Uh, I have a little map here. I know we're, we're messing, up, uh, messing up the order a little bit. 
I have my little pointer here. Woohoo! So we started out in Philippi. We moved to Thessalonica. That's where they're, they're, they're having this experience right now. And we're going to see in a, few, in, a, in a moment that they moved to Berea and then to Athens. Now let's, go back, let's go back to the scriptures. We're at verse, uh, verse 4. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. In this area of the world, we're talking about Greece, the, 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 the western end of Turkey and Greece, modern-day Turkey and Greece. In this area, women were not treated as slaves as was the custom in other areas around the Mediterranean. Women, women were able to rise to prominence. We met one last week. Her name was Lydia. She was the seller of purple. And she was wealthy. She was forceful. She was capable. And she was respected. She's one of these prominent women. They believed in Paul. So some Jews, many men, And quite a few prominent women. Verse 5 says, But some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. Not much changes in the world. We hear hear about organizations who say, Hey, we, we, we need to protest this thing. We need to start a riot. We need to do this. We need to upset the apple cart. And so let's go get some people who aren't doing anything else. That's what, that's what this word troublemakers refers to. These are people, uh, in, the, in the ancient use of the word, these, these are people who didn't have anything to do. They would hang out in the marketplace just waiting for something to happen. And so somebody comes up to them and says, you need something to do. We're going to have a riot. Can you help us out? We just need you to make a lot of noise. We just need you to make a disturbance. And maybe some of those troublemakers said, what's in it for me? And so, well, okay, I'll give you this. What's in it for that? So they were, they were bribed. They were hired. They were, they, were, they, they were troublemakers. And they said, all right, I'll do that. So they attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so that they could drag them out to the crowd. And not finding them in Jason's home, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. The Greek word here is literally Areopagus. The place where the leaders of the city would sit and and make decisions. They brought them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted. And now they're they're here in they're here disturbing our city too and Jason has welcomed them into his home they're all guilty of treason against Caesar for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus now the people of the city as well as the city council were thrown into turmoil by these reports they're stirring up trouble just like people do in our world today. It's not right. Da, 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 da. Doesn't matter if it's true. We're just going to say it just so that we can stir up trouble because we want to upset things so that I can get things done my way. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond and they released them. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, 
they went to the Jewish synagogue. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. Then they searched the scriptures, the scriptures day after day, to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. See how, how, how much reasoning is happening in this? That Paul is using reasoning from the old scriptures to convince people of, of the truth of Jesus. And when they, hear the tr- when they hear who Jesus is, they go to the scriptures themselves. You know, it's important for you to be able to read the Bible and to understand it. And, 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 and if you don't have a Bible that is easy for you to read, you can take this Bible that's on your chair or on the tables, and it says so right inside. So somebody says, you stole the Bible from the church. No, 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 it's a gift. It says it's a gift right on the inside. Or you know somebody that needs a Bible, take this Bible and, and give it to them. We'll replace the one in the room with another one. As a result... Verse 12 says, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women. Again, the word prominent, women and men. But when some of the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble there too. They just followed them around. Same thing happens in America today. (laughs) People following others around to cause up caused trouble. And the believers acted at once. They got ahead of it. They sent Paul to the coast while Silas and Timothy remained behind. And those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. And then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join Paul. Let's look at that map one more time. So you can see where they traveled now. Last week we, we, were, we met Lydia in the city of Philippi. And uh, so today we, they traveled to Thessalonica, Berea. Uh, and then when they had trouble, tried to make trouble in Berea, they got ahead of it and they said, Paul, we're going to put you in a boat. And then he sailed down the coast, probably around that island until he got to Athens here. Now, the rest of the, rest of the chapter uh, and the rest of Acts talks about Paul continuing on from Corinth to Corinth and then to other places. And uh, Jerusalem is over here someplace uh, on the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea. And, of course, you can see Italy up here to get a little reference for our world today. And uh, so that's, that's Greece. And some of you perhaps have been, on, uh, been to Greece and seen how beautiful it is there. That's the region of the world that we're talking about. These are real people. In real places, real experiences that happen. Let's talk about Silas himself, this, this person that's just this companion with Paul. We know from this, that this experience that he is a leader in Jerusalem. Uh, and, and Paul has selected him from among others. It says on the screen that this is Paul's second missionary journey. In Paul's first missionary journey, he had a young man named John Mark 
They got to one of the cities in John Mark. I don't know. We don't know whether he got sick, whether he got tired, whether he got fed up, whether he got angry. We don't know. But he left Paul and Barnabas on that trip and he went back to Jerusalem. Now, they finished that trip. They were back in Jerusalem and Barnabas, who was Paul's companion on that first journey, says, let's go again. Let's take John Mark again and let's let's go on a second missionary journey. And Paul said, I'm not going with John Mark. And so Barnabas and John Mark split from Paul. They go their own direction. And Paul says, well, I need somebody to go with me. Silas, you come with me. Silas was already a respected leader in Jerusalem. So Paul selected another leader person. He was also willing to risk his life along with Paul. The task that God gives us to do probably involves risk. We know that, that in chapter 15, we didn't read that today, but, but um, Silas is referred to as a prophet. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was given the ability uh, of the, the work of the prophet. What does a prophet do? A prophet does, we tend to think that a prophet tells what the future is going to happen. That's, that's, that's a minor part of what prophets do. Primarily what prophets do are speak for God and they call people to account. Prophet comes up to you and says, You're going the wrong way. <laughs> Turn around. God's not happy with the way things are going. God has a word for you. And that's what prophets do. Prophets are willing to confront, to speak for God to the people of God. But Silas was also a Roman citizen, and this might be one of the factors that, that, uh, that, that was important for Paul. As they were traveling through the Roman Empire, They needed safe passage. In America, it's easy for us to go from one state to another. We don't have to carry our passport. But I remember, um, uh, you know, he wanted to to be able to pass through easily these different checkpoints. So they they needed their passport. They needed their papers. When we took the youth group to Haiti uh, and, and we got stuck there for four extra days, when we could finally get out of Haiti... I didn't want anything to hang us up. <laughs> so we said, we said to, the, to the teenagers and to everybody there, it says, everybody came with three bags of, three, three pieces of luggage, but everybody's going home with just one that you can carry under your arm. We're not going to check any baggage on the way home because I don't want anything to hold us up. And the, some of the teenagers said, but my mama's going to kill me if I don't come home without my, her suitcase. I'm like, well, you just tell her that it's you or the suitcase, that she has a, she has a choice. We don't want anything slowing us up. Paul didn't want anything slowing him up, making these transitions from one area to another area. So the fact that Paul himself was a Roman citizen and his, his companion was a Roman citizen probably gave them easy passage between these different municipalities. We also see in this that Silas was someone who was obedient and willing to follow instructions. That's important. Learn how to follow instructions. <laughs> Be obedient to those that you're, that, you're, that, that you're connected with and committed to. And, and we see that Silas does that. When Paul gets to Berea and they have trouble again, they send, I don't know why they sent them, uh, sent Paul separately ahead. Maybe, maybe there was only room for one on the boat and they needed to sneak him out. And that was the easiest way to get him out. Maybe they, they kept Silas and Timothy back here 
for a diversion so that the so that the Jews would think Paul's still here someplace and that gave Paul time to get away. I don't know what the thinking was, but you know, not bad. There's reasonable people. There's a strategy there someplace. But Silas and Timothy were obedient to stay there and to wait for Paul's instructions to come. And it's likely that this is the first place where we see this young man named Timothy coming along. He was another person who was being groomed, being trained, being raised up in the church to take his part eventually. And we know that he, there, there are two books in the Bible named after this young man, Timothy. And uh, we're not going to cover Timothy in this, in this series, but we see him here. So it's likely that Silas was a mentor to Timothy as well, teaching him all these things. Look at the importance of character in playing out the part of God. Don't just think of your part, uh, the part that God has for you to play is just an activity or uh, something to do. The part that God has for us to play requires character. God is asking us to be the character that God is creating us to be. And maybe it's not until we, we, we settle that character that God is developing in us. Maybe that's got to get to a certain point before God is ready to use us in a particular task. Pay attention to the character. Well, what is the part that Paul and Silas play in this? They have a lot. But in general terms, here's, what, here's the part. Telling others the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is essentially our part also. But we all have little things that we had have to play in, to, in that part. Telling others that Jesus is the Anointed One. God's Son sent by God to suffer and to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins, for your sins, for the sins of the world, for all people. So that we can have that right relationship with God, a loving friendship with God who guides us in all these things, telling others. Their part was also reasoning with, with people about who God is and using the Scriptures. And God, God's given some of us excellent skills in reasoning. God's given some of us other, other, I mean, all of us have skills in reasoning, but some of us ha- have, have the ability to articulate things better than others. No problem. You, so other people have other things that they, that they can do for the kingdom of God. But Paul and Silas were capable of reasoning with the Jews, using the Scriptures, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the Old Testament, and uh, interpreting it in ways uh, according to Jesus' teachings. And finally, <laughs> they caused trouble. And when God asks us to play our part, we may be causing trouble also in the kingdom of God, in the world. And we have to expect that as we're living out our part in the kingdom of God. It's going to conflict with the world. And we have to expect and be ready and be prepared and be courageous and be faithful in what God is calling us to do. It doesn't have to be a big thing. 
It could just be a little thing, a little change that God says, we need to make this change in my family, but it's going to have a ripple effect and that's going to disrupt my my family life, my house life, whatever it might be. But I think this is what God is calling us to do. So let's go through the difficulty. Let's go through the discomfort. Uh, Let's put Roger out on the platform (laughs) so that he will learn that he needs to practice that trombone. God asks us to step out and take the risk and be in comfort. We all have parts to play. There was a mission in Eugene, Oregon. And there was an organization called Little Hands Can. And it was an organization that helped young people of any age make a difference in the world. And so... There were a group, more than 75 kids from infants to teens, helped preparing meals for this mission. And at one Christmas, they chopped and they peeled and they cut up uh, meals for up to 700 men and women in the mission. Now, many of us perhaps have had the experience of going to a place that serves others, and, but have you taken your infant into that setting? Have you taken a child? Have you been in a mission where they allowed children to be there? Many times there would be too much pressure. We have to get this job done. We're not going to let the children in there. The children will just get in the way. But what I appreciate about this is that this mission said we want the family to participate in it because everybody's got a part to play. So the organization teaches children how they can help others regardless of their age directed by Ashley Bohannon, and she said it's really powerful to see the kids in action, to see that they're actually making a big difference. You don't always think about the things that little hands can do, but it's impressive the things that they can do with their little hands. There's another woman named Anastasia. She ordered lunch delivered by DoorDash one day. She didn't expect to to receive her order from someone in a uniform. Since delivery apps usually don't enforce a dress code, do they? (laughs) But when her order came to the door, it was delivered by a man in blue. And minutes prior, Officer Sam Burr had just pulled over Anastasia's delivery person for a traffic violation. But because that driver had an active warrant, Burr was required to make an arrest. And rather than let the food go undelivered, the officer took a few minutes to finish the job. According to the police department, Officer Sam Sam Clemens says moments like this are common. He says, it's not like we have officers that are out delivering food but the little things like this going above and beyond helping people uh, helping people out that's the things that we do probably more often than people realize playing our part i don't know what motivated this officer to do that i don't know that he was a christian but but he he played a part and made a difference we don't know what God is calling us to do. So in this series, Acting Out Our Part, 
Don't, don't expect it to be a big, magnificent thing. Don't expect it to require a lot of preparation or even any preparation. But there are things that, that we're asked to do that we have to prepare for, like playing a trombone in a jazz band competition. <laughs> Isn't that nice that I can admit my great failures? At least that one. <laughs> don't ask me to do any more. What is Silas speaking to you this morning? You have faith. Don't forget, they're traveling to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. We each must receive that good news. We must trust it. Like, like the many God-fearing men and quite a few of the prominent women. The message is for all people. We sang that song a few minutes ago, Shake Up. What was it? Shake up the something of my tradition. Shake up the ground of my all my religion. Your way is better, God. We who have been in the church for a long time, just like the Jewish people who expected the Messiah to come in this box, had to believe that the Messiah had come in Jesus. And it caused, and, and, and he absolutely shook up the ground of their tradition, shook up the ground of all their religion. And Jesus is saying, hey, I don't want you to have a religion. I want you to have a relationship with me. We've got to accept that and what God's calling us to do. So believe the message. Maybe some of you have followed Jesus many days, but you're, you're wondering, okay, God, where do you have me to fit in now? So pray, ask God to help you find that place. Maybe you know what it is. Maybe, maybe like me in 10th grade, you said, I don't want to do that, so you don't do it well. But God is saying, you know what, I want you to do this, and today you need to make a decision. Okay, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you ask. Or maybe you don't know what that is. And so your prayer today simply may be, God, show me this week what it is you want me to do. I'm telling you now, God, when I recognize that you're telling me to do something, I'm committing to do it. Let's stand together as, as we pray this morning and we think about Silas and uh, the second seat that he had uh, in this process. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the good news that Jesus is your chosen one, your anointed one, who comes to bring all people into a right relationship with you. We do, God, confess our faithlessness. We confess our reluctance to follow you. We confess our fear, our worries. But as we sang earlier, God, this is our surrender. And so we give up control of our own lives. We turn it over to you. We, we lay before you all of our worries, all of the lies that, we, that, that come into our heads that, that are against your, you and your ways. And we trust in you. We ask you this morning, God, fill each of us with your Holy Spirit. Guide us. Teach us, equip us, give us the courage that comes from the knowledge that you are always with us. Thank you, Jesus. Speak to us now as we think and reflect. And let us respond 
by singing. We will follow you, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Pastor just talked about control. Another pastor that I love to listen to and read his stuff, Pastor Craig Groeschel. He has a quote and it goes like this We don't always have the power to control, but we always have the power to surrender. We don't always have the power to control, but we always have the power to surrender. In the very beginning today, we've been singing about letting our yes be yes and listening to God's word, talking to us about saying yes to his will, learning about the part that he wants us to play. So when we make room for him, 
in our hearts and in our lives and in our checkbook and in our priority list on our calendar when we make room for him he will come in and he will do things in us that we can't do in ourselves Father today we pray you would encourage us and strengthen us as we go by the power of your Holy Spirit lead us God teach us, guide us in how to play the part that you've given us And Lord, we will say yes. Give us the power and the strength and the courage to say yes to your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. If you still need prayer, you can come down to the front and kneel and pray. If you need someone to pray with you, there are folks at the prayer stations. Folks online can meet you uh, to pray before you go today. God bless you. Have a great day.